the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I can see that. Okay. We're ready? Okay, we're on. Now I've got a feedback. So you got to turn something off in your studio there, bud. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. And also we're on one of the FM stations of Salem Broadcasting, iHeart, social media. I'm streaming live on Facebook, and I don't know where else on the planet, but you can reach me anywhere by going to the radio station's uh, website, that's theanswer.com or drbillradiomd.com and click listen live. 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. We also have all of the past shows archived. And so you can pick up the podcast if you don't get the live airing. Oh, boy. Isn't that fun? Aren't you glad you got me? Well, this is me, and I'm here with you. And i got to tell you, I'm delighted to be do- doing this and have the opportunity uh, have been in some arguments at the hospital with some of the liberal doctors who say that Trump's the one who told everybody not to wear face masks. But uh, actually, it was Anthony Fauci, and he did this way back in February and early March. I don't think he changed his tune until late May, if at all. And I don't know that he ever uh, really apologized for what he did. He kind of halfway apologized uh, before one of the Senate or House committee meetings and said, You know, we made some mistakes at the outset of this. Give me a break. I'm going to cue that up in a little bit, and we'll play that if if Ken can get that that up. He's having some problems with this computer. Ken, let me know when you got that, okay? I'll advise you when we're ready, sir. Yeah, anytime we can just we can break with what we're doing and put that in. But at any rate, it's an interesting clip, uh, and I think he was talking to 60 Minutes at that time, and I heard Fauci say that a number of times on TV. Uh, and he also said it on C-SPAN before the the committees. And uh, so he's the principal architect of the no mask. And now we have a situation where the virus is spreading rapidly. Now, I don't think that personally that this is going to be um, as big an event as the press is making it out to be. And I've argued this with some of the liberal doctors at the hospital, as well as with some of my neighbors. And I continue to say this, and I said this before, as you recall, Ken, that uh, if we lose a million people, that's one third of one percent of the population. It's going to be primarily the elderly, uh, the infirm, the sick, and uh, those who are not using good hygiene and good practices. And uh, how are you going to stop that? I mean, a lot of the people that we see dying now at our hospital are close to death anyway. And so are they dying from the COVID virus or are they dying from uh, comorbidities? And COVID is one of the comorbidities. They have underlying uh, emphysema, they're in stage or they're in stage dementia. And when you have people with in stage dementia, emphysema, bad hearts, heart failure, uh, cystic fibrosis, cerebral palsy, they have trouble clearing their secretions, so they're more likely to get a lung infection. <clears throat> so how do you say that COVID was the uh, cause of death? How do you not say uh, that it was the underlying emphysema or COPD, <clears throat> if that makes sense to you? I mean, it makes sense to me medically, and, and I think that it's important that we stop and think about this. The COVID virus is a comorbidity just like influenza is a comorbidity for people who are predisposed to, to chronic health care problems. So uh, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm, I'm not one of these people who say we have to save every life. That's ridiculous. We can't. And we shouldn't think that we have to. You know, doctors have to make decisions at times <clears throat> to triage 
and to determine whether or not somebody is salvageable and how much time, effort, and medication and resources we want to spend on them. Now, we've got a shortage of the remdesivir, the antiviral agent, the requirements that we have. We have, a, we have a protocol that our infectious disease team has put together, and the pharmacy has to follow that. And if they don't, we get mad at them and yell at them. And the other doctors have to follow it because it's expensive and it's a limited resource. <clears throat> and we, we don't want to waste that resource. And we also have some circumstances where we can't use it because we don't know uh, whether or not it's safe. We have a, a woman who's pregnant, 25, 26-year-old, and she's 32 weeks pregnant. So the, the baby is viable. It could be taken out by cesarean section. That's where you cut the baby out of the mama's belly. Uh, before the vaginal delivery, and you do that for life-saving situations or for when the mother can't deliver uh, transvaginally for medical reasons. And so we can't give her the remdesivir because it hasn't been tried uh, in pregnancy. I don't think it'll be a problem in late, in late pregnancy because the uh, genetics has already been dis determined within the first trimester, second trimester, first uh, trimester and probably the first half of the second trimester, most of the genetics has already been determined. And so by the time you get to the third trimester, you pretty much have a little human being that's that's genetically uh, complete, although there's still a lot of, of growth and synapses to be connected and so on and so forth. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, I'm, I'm really upset with Fauci, as I've said on the show before. Uh, I think this is a uh, an arrogant man who thinks that he is right, and I think he's part of the uh, the Washington intelligentsia, the inset, uh, the uh, the uh, elite who think that they know what's best for the rest of us. And instead of saying, "Why don't we learn how to make our own mask?" and and we did, we taught people, and you know, I went out and taught people how to make masks and. Ken, you remember I was talking about masks back in early March. You were a leader in the field. <clears throat> I was a leader, man. And now you've got masks coming out of every orifice. <laughs> I mean, there's masks everywhere. I, I went into the hospital the other day, and they had a whole bunch of masks sitting on the on the front counter, you know, the desk where the, uh, where, well, we used to have a reception team there, but now we just have a, a rent-a-cop there. But there's free masks there. Uh, there's mask in the little pharmacy next door to us. We've got so many masks. We were selling them initially. We're just giving them away now. I've got about eight or 10 sitting on the counter down in the kitchen. And, uh, you know, we could have taught people to do this. I mean, there's tons of seamstresses out there with sewing machines up in the attic who have not used them for decades. And they probably would have loved to do it. Uh, I went to my own seamstress. She was making masks. I went to the, as I said months ago, I went to a, a little sewing company over in Tampa, and uh, they had shifted over to making masks. So who is this guy, and why is he in the middle of this? Get this guy out of here. The Democrats love him. They love him. Why? Because he's part of their gang, and he's probably a never-Trumper. And I don't care what you think of Trump. This isn't about Trump. This is about preserving what we have built and keeping it. And uh, uh, this cancellation of our culture, this is just utterly ridiculous. Ken, did you see that they, uh, that they want to pull down Hamilton's statue, Alexander Hamilton? They don't want the, the musical or the movie Hamilton played. And the guy that I think that was instrumental in bringing this to the stage is now apologizing. Did you see that? I mean, I'm just appalled. I've read a couple of things about that, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, this is just ridiculous. Hamilton Hamilton was an orphan, by the way. His father died when he was young. His mother died when he was pre-adolescent. And uh, he actually was raised uh, in Nevis St. Kitt. And when he was 12 years old, he was so smart and he was so organized that there were some importers that, that had a business in London, and they were bringing goods into uh, St. Kitt Nevis and then bringing things back to London from St. Kitt Nevis. And uh, they asked, and he started working as a stock boy, and they said, hey, kid, you want to run the, the store for us while we're not here? And he said, sure. So at 12 years of age, 13 years of age, this guy was running a store. He was in business for these guys. 
and organizing things. And uh, I think that uh, that says a lot about the man. He was truly the genius of the of the uh, founding fathers. I'm talking about uh, about Alexander Hamilton, and if you missed it, he was uh, raised in in St. Kitt Nevis. And at 12, he was an orphan, and he 12, 13, he was running a store for some English importer-exporters from London uh, into the uh, Caribbean basin there. And he grew up on a slave island. It was a sugarcane island, and there were eight blacks to every white. And he was appalled by slavery, and he was an ardent abolitionist from the time he was a young teenager. And he believed that whites and blacks were equal in their abilities and their intellect and, and, and their ability to succeed, uh, both physically, mentally, emotionally, morally. And uh, he was part of uh, a society in, uh, in New York. And let me get the name of that for you. That is the Manumission Society. It was an American organization founded in 1785. Uh, by John Jay, among others, and they were abolitionists, and they were there to promote the gradual abolition of, of slavery and manumission of slaves of African descent within the state of New York. And you say, well, why didn't they just do it all at once? Well, you got to realize the times they were trying to hold the union together, and they had the idea that as the union matured, the uh, the values of liberty and freedom and uh, self-determination would take hold and would spread throughout the whole society and that slavery would would be uh, eliminated and women would eventually get the right to vote and you know non-landholders would have the right to vote and all these things have come to pass because of what these guys did at the outset at the beginning of our country in the 1780s and their ardent anti-slavery feelings and now they're trying to demonize this guy. By the way, if anybody out there knows the uh, the first uh, the cabinet post that Alexander Hamilton held during Washington's uh, uh, tenure as president, give me a call at eight seven seven nine six nine eighty six hundred. That's eight seven seven nine six nine eighty six hundred, and let me know uh, what you think, who you think it is, and we'll. Uh, We'll send you one of our famous mugs. Oh, boy, that'll be fun, won't it? So Alexander Hamilton, who is now being demonized by the cancel culture, uh, is actually one of the great men, one of the great men, not only one of the great intellects of our of our founding fathers, but he was a military man. He fought alongside of, of George Washington in the Revolutionary War. He was an aide-de-camp. He and... Uh, he and um, uh, Oh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. What's the French nobleman's name who is also Hamilton? And um, you know who I'm talking about, Ken. Are you there? Can you hear me? I guess I've lost Ken. No, again. no, 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 no. I'm here. I'm here, buddy. Huh? I'm trying to remember. At <laughs> uh, any rate, <laughs> I can't remember right off the top of my head, but it'll come to me in a minute. At any rate, they were the young uh, studs of the – they were aide-de-camps to – to General Washington, and then Hamilton got a, a command at the Battle of Yorktown, and apparently was uh, was quite effective in, in bringing down the uh, the British at the end of the end of the Revolutionary War. He was a lawyer in practice. He was a public health guy. He was uh, uh, a founding father. He he wrote the Federalist Papers. He helped write the Constitution. Um, he just did so much for our country. He served in in Washington's cabinet. He wrote Washington's speeches. Uh, what a tremendous man he he's, was! Just, he's on the money. He he's he's on the money. Yep. You can't uh, do better it, than that. No, I mean, and he really. If you compared him with with say uh, Thomas Jefferson, and and a lot of people up until recently, now that Jefferson was uh, uh, demonized for being a slaveholder. You know who made Jefferson the the god that he is was uh, was uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He thought that that would be a good way to build up some positive public opinion. And and uh, Thomas Jefferson's memorial was inaugurated during the uh, the FDR administration. It was started then. 
But Thomas Jefferson thought that we should be a, a nation of, of little cottage industries and uh, small farms. And Alexander Hamils, Hamilton looked around and said, what are you talking about? The potential of this country to be a, a, a manufacturing power and to dominate the world with trade and, and with uh, culture and with monetary uh, values was so overwhelming to him. And he started one of the first uh, commercial industrial parks in the country over in New Jersey uh, when he was in the, when he was in, in office in the 1790s. And what, what a visionary. And if he came back today, he'd look around and say, hey, yeah, this is pretty much what I had in mind. If Jefferson came back, he'd be completely lost. He would have no idea how this all developed and where it came from. It is not anything like he thought it would or should be. And Hamilton had the idea, the right idea, and it worked. So the, the, the Manumission Society uh, ended with the abolition of slavery in New York. And of course, that was in the 1840s. And then in the 1850s, Frederick Douglass and the Republicans started their campaign to abolish slavery. And then we had the Civil War in 1861. And that is how we got to where we're at. Did you ever figure out how to cue up that, that sound for me? Oh, sorry, Doc. I can't get that one for you. I know. Oh my I know. God. I know. I'm going to shoot you. I know. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> A simple, a simple spanking will be fine. <laughs> Please. I don't know if we can. Can we do that on air? <laughs> Barb might not like that. <laughs> she might not like that at all. So we have to be very careful what we do on air. And especially now. I got a temperamental computer this morning. Yes. Streaming on Facebook. Um, maybe at, at the break, I'll be able to bring that up. It's a, it's a clip of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, in early March, I think it was 60 Minutes, saying not to wear a mask. And uh, that has really upset me considerably that this man has been allowed to get away with this. But the Democrats are protecting him. They're protecting him. And Trump, who talks really, you know, blustery and, and big, he is one of the most uh, reluctant presidents to use his power uh, you know, he doesn't realize the bully pulpit that he has, and he should have gone after this guy two or three months ago and gotten rid of him. Obviously, the guy's there because he was the the compromise between the Democrats and the Republicans for the person uh, in the medical field to to lead the the task force on the coronavirus, on the COVID virus. What are you going to do, though? I mean, this is just utterly ridiculous. I'm so sick of this guy, I could spit. Is, are you allowed to spit on air? I don't know. Uh, it's not against FCC regulations. If you'd like to, go right ahead. There you go. <laughs> right. uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I ducked, got out of the way just in time. That's a and listen. That's a that's a COVID loogie too. So don't <laughs> stick your finger in that thing. Whatever you do, <laughs> wear gloves. <laughs> wear gloves and wear your mask. Now the mask. Let me tell you. I was over at one of my friends' house. She's a podiatrist. Yesterday. And we were talking about this, and uh, I told her we're going to go on a cruise in October. And I told that to Dr. Balcazar, you know, our infectious disease doctor. And she said, are you crazy? And I said, yes, Denise, I am crazy. But don't confuse crazy with stupid. We're not stupid. And she said, you're, you're going to get the virus. And I said, well, if I am, I'm going to be okay because you're going to get me uh, a week's supply of remdesivir. And I want you to stockpile that and hide some for me back in our pharmacy. And, you know, they love me so much because I do so much around the hospital for, for free. I don't know why I do that. What's wrong with me? Oh, you're, this, just, you're just trying to take a cruise, Doc. You're just trying to take a vacation. Uh, yeah, I'm just, yeah, you know, the thing is, is you do a lot for people. And uh, actually, it comes back to me. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people that have done things for me just out of kindness, uh, helped me out around the hospital, around the office. Um, you know, I had one of my patients help me lay in the new water line that I brought in from the street because the old one was one of those metal pipes and it was all corroded. And so he brought his little backhoe over there. He dug the whole thing up for me and had a couple guys and he and my son and, and his guys and me, we laid in that pipe one Sunday and I was, uh, I'm still waiting for a bill from him. He said, oh, that's okay. You know, I, I took my car up to the, to the service station 
and the guys I take care of them like they're my babies. And uh, so I ask them to do little things like help me take a bumper off or, or take a, a running board off so I can paint it. And they just do it and they don't charge me. And I'm like, well, I'll, you know, I'll give you guys something. People love you, Doc. To, they just love well, you. I love them, too. I, I, I love all people and half of them are women. I don't know what that means, but uh, is that good or bad? Well, talk to your wife about that. <laughs> That's a marital problem, isn't it? <laughs> Doc, good news. I think we, I, we've had a whole team of people working on this problem, and I think we have, have Fauci here. We're gonna, if you want to give it a shot. Yeah, let's play it. I'd like to. I'd like everybody to hear it. I don't let's know how many people are here. listening. Play there, Brian. If you would, it's, it's, it's midsummer, and we probably got a, a low turnout. But go ahead go. and play it. All right. Information surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? The masks Can you hear are it? important. We got it for someone who's infected I can't hear it. to prevent go them ahead. from infecting someone else. Now, when you see people and look, I at guess the it's films playing. It is. It's hanging there. All right, I can't hear anything. Right now, in the United States. People should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it because people are listening All really right. closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. The people who, when you look at the films of foreign countries and you see 85% of the people wearing masks, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not against it. If you want to do it, that's fine. But it can lead to a shortage it, of masks. Exactly. Which that's we're the starting point. It could see. lead to a shortage of masks for the people who really need it. All right, I'm back. So you got that out on the air, I hope. All right, so now you guys this know how much that Fauci's the one who has been saying sugar. since January, by the Studies way, show not that to wear a face when mask. It's taken every single day. Come on, this Cindy. guy is bad news. Uh, he was the wrong man for this job. And, uh, you know, the problem is that we're stuck with it now. And I think that uh, what we're going to have to do is at some point hold him to accountable for what he's done to to our country and uh, to the populace for saying the stupid things that he said. Whatever his reasons were, they were wrong. They were not well thought out. And, and I am just I, I wish that he had a license in Georgia because I would go after him and see if the state board would pull his license. I'm sure he doesn't because he's a researcher and he's a federal employee and you can't sue him. You can't do anything to him. He's, he's, you know, he's kind of like a golden calf. He's a, he's a God. He's untouchable. Oh, well, what are you going to do? But let's make, make it perfectly clear that he is the architect of anything that is wrong with this approach to this virus. And that's all I'm going to say about it. And I hope it gets out there. I hope the president hears this directly or indirectly. So that's what I have to say about the, uh, the, the coronavirus, the COVID virus and mask at this point. And I got to tell you that uh, I was talking about my friend who's a podiatrist and I went to see her and uh, we were talking about me taking a trip. We're, we're going to take a cruise in October and, and Balcazar was saying, you're crazy to do that. And I said, no, Denise, I think I'm okay. We're going to take medication and you're going to give me remdesivir. And she said, well, how are you going to give it to yourself? It's intravenous. I'm like, let's see, uh, my wife's a nurse practitioner. I'm a doctor. She's certified in IV therapy. I've given thousands of IV <laughs> medications and started things. And I, I mean, you know, we know how to do this. Come on, we can take care of ourselves. We're not idiots. And so we, uh, we plan to take that. And, and my friend said, she said, well, I've flown up to Asheville and to visit my son who's in college up there. And I just put on my N95 mask and uh, didn't talk to anybody and I'm fine. So wear the mask. The masks are vitally important. If you're going to go in public, if you're going to go inside of a store, I think if you're outdoors, the wind shear should be enough to break up and you can take your mask off if you're eating outdoors in a, a fairly open area. But overall, the main thing is to wear the mask. Uh, you, you should, of course, use good hand hygiene, but 
you're not going to spread this virus by touch, not unless you stick your finger in, in something really gooey that has, uh, you know, has COVID virus in it. That's, that's not going to be the way you get it. This is an airborne virus. Fauci noted that from the beginning. I've been saying that since the beginning. The masks are vital. So keep wearing those. I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe and uh, I'll be right back. For those of you who are watching on Facebook, we'll just go blank here for a minute because I'm still figuring out a few things. But I will be back. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Iranian investigators are blaming a faulty missile battery and miscommunication between soldiers and their commanders for the shooting down of a Ukrainian jetliner in January, killing 176 people. The report was released late last night by Iran's civilian aviation organization and comes uh, many months after the crash. The shootdown happened the same night Iran launched a ballistic missile strike on U.S. soldiers. Authorities say the search to find Glee TV show star Naya Rivera in the Southern California lake where she disappeared ended yesterday without any results. The Ventura County Sheriff's Office says the search of Lake Peru will resume at some time today. And countries in Eastern Europe facing waves of coronavirus infections leading to new restrictive measures such as the mandatory use of face masks in Croatia. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 727- 7384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I've always been a health nut. And I've been taking the balance of nature, and I do feel better. I feel a lot stronger now, and in fact, I'm starting to do a little bit of exercises. I find that I have more energy, and I just have a feeling of well-being. I tell everyone about this. Some people feel it right away. Some people don't, but don't give up. Keep at it, and you Mm -hmm. will feel better. Don't wait to see what getting over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can do for you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code RESULTS. Take AM860, The Answer, with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. To battle is to fight, to struggle, to overcome, and ultimately for the Marine Corps, it means to win. 
There is no alternative. It's not just a statement of intent. It's a promise to our nation. A promise kept for more than two centuries. A promise of the Marines. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. After a morning shower or a thunderstorm in spots, it will be mainly cloudy for the day. High today, 93. Heat index values up to 107. Partly cloudy for tonight with a low of 80. Tomorrow, intervals of clouds and sunshine, a shower or a thunderstorm around during the day with a Monday high 93. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We're coming at you on AM860, The Answer. I don't think we have many people listening this week, dead in, dead of the summer here. But if anybody is listening and they know what cabinet post Hamilton was appointed to, give me a call at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. And we will give you one of our famous Dr. Bill mugs. And i got to tell you, folks, they're pretty nice. I got several myself. They're collection items, collector items. They are collector items, and I've still got about four thousand to give away. So, get on that phone. Jeffrey, <laughs> Bouch- Jeffrey Bouchard wants to sell them in the next show. You, that's how that's how big they are. Oh my God! Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> that's right. Hey, he still owes me money. I gave him a coffee table to put into a, 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 a what do you call it? An a, auction. Yeah, and I never saw anything for it. Dang. Well, it, maybe he had, he's got an auction, I think, today, so maybe... Um, yeah, tell him, give me my money. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, you know, the cancel culture, they're going after Hamilton and saying he was a slaveholder owner, which he wasn't. He was, he hated slavery. He abhorred it. He was an abolitionist from the get-go. And so we talked about that. Now, they're also... Uh, the, the left-wing loonies are saying that everybody should be allowed to vote, in, including the insane, the criminals, the, the uh, uh, you know, non-citizens and everything else. And, you know, they're saying, well, it's the state's rights to decide who gets to vote. Well, that's not exactly true. It's a shared responsibility. The states can set up a lot of the rules and regulations for voting and for who can vote. But on, in Section 4 of our Constitution, Clause 1, it says, quote, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives, that's the federal uh, uh, offices, shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress, the United States Congress, may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing the senators. So there have been a number of of laws that have been passed over the past uh, 150 years Dealing with this, and as we all know, the 13th Amendment, because I know you guys are smart and you know your Bill of Rights and you know your amendments, the 13th Amendment freed the slaves and ended indentured servitude. 14th and 15th Amendment gave them civil rights and gave all of us civil rights and the right to vote. And, of course, there was a uh, conservative Southern cancel culture, not only in the South, but it was in the Midwest too, that didn't want black Americans to have a vote or have a voice. And so there were poll tax and uh, uh, literacy tests that were put in place and so on and so forth. There were uh, intimidations. And so in 1870, the Congress had uh, adopted the first comprehensive statute dealing with elections, and that was to enforce the 15th Amendment. And that was to end racial discrimination and granting suffrage rights. And uh, subsequent laws have come into place. Now, we had uh, a number of laws that had been enacted over the, over the past 100, 150 years or so. And uh, the, the big bunch came in 1957, 60, 64, 65, 68, 70, 75, 80, and 82 that all added teeth to the uh, the 15th Amendment and the 14th Amendment, which dealt with voting and civil rights and uh, the the rule of law and how it should be applied evenly to all of us. And so the literacy tests were abolished. The poll tax were abolished. Intimidation was abolished. Uh, in 1870, the federal courts had the power to send uh, monitors to polling places to make sure that the uh, black Americans were allowed to vote. 
And so now we're at a point where we're saying, well, who doesn't have the right to vote? Well, it's again, is up to Congress to determine who has the absolute power to vote and not vote. And Congress says that you have to be a citizen. That's what the law says right now. Now, Congress can change that if they want. And of course, the left wing would do that in a heartbeat, but they're not going to get it through the Senate, even, even if it passes the House. And the president, at least this president's not going to sign anything that, that says that. But uh, the, the amendments that deal with this are in place. And there are a number of uh, laws that have been passed, which have given teeth to the 15th Amendment, the 14th and 15th Amendment, which give us our civil rights, which give us the right to vote, which give us the right to work and enjoy all the benefits, the legal and uh, societal benefits that are here in our society. And this is important that we, we have this, but that doesn't mean that everybody who lives in the United States gets to vote, not, at least not in the federal elections. That is determined by the Constitution and by acts of Congress, which are legally signed into law by the president. So what is citizenship? Well, you know, if you're born in the United States, presumably you're a citizen. Uh, if you are uh, uh, an immigrant who has been through the uh, naturalization process and you've taken the oath of citizenship, then you can vote. Now, that doesn't mean you can't vote in state elections. And some states have laws that allow you to vote in state elections if you're uh, a citizen or if you're not a citizen, as long as you're a resident of the state. Now, some of the states tried to limit who could vote by saying, well, you had to be a resident for a year. And the Supreme Court struck that down a few years ago and said, oh, no, that that's not fair because we're a mobile country. So if Dr. Bill moves from here to California uh, and is there for two months, well, he should be allowed to vote in California. Why not? And so I think that's important to realize that we do have that ability to move between states. And as long as we're there for uh, 50 to 80 days, that we should be allowed to vote. And we are. And, and that's the law. But now, if you are someone who is Ill illegally come into this country from Mexico or from the Middle East and you want to vote in a federal election, well, you can't. I mean, you can if you can figure out how to do it illegally. And there uh, obviously are people that are doing that. But current law requires that naturalization statutes are in place and requires loyalty and good moral character and bar subversion terrorists, criminals, and others from becoming citizens. So you have to go through the process. Now, the process can change right now. Right now, I think that naturalization, uh, once you get your green card, is five years. I may be wrong about that, Ken, but I believe that's still the law. And I think that's what my wife had to go through. And then she became a citizen. She took her, her oath of citizenship, passed the test, and did all that. And so you can become a citizen and vote in federal elections. And in some states, you don't even have to be a citizen of the United States to vote in state and local elections. That's that's uh, up to the states. That's their right. So citizenship can also be conferred by special acts of Congress. And uh, Congress can change the, the time period for how long you have to go through the naturalization process. Congress can do a number of things. And uh, now, the territories, though, like Puerto Rico and American Samoa and the outlying islands, they do not have the right to vote in the federal elections. They can vote in their local, state, uh, territorial elections, but not in the federal elections. And the, the 14th Amendment is, is very simple. It says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, that is the United States, are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside, and no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And that's the 14th Amendment. That's what gives us our equal protection under law. And that includes the right to vote. And that's what we have been fighting over for the past 
200 and something years, and uh, it is now in place. Now, my friend Reg, I call him the conscious of the Confederacy. He's a black physician uh, who grew up in Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee, and uh, he's always reminding me that we still have a ways to go when it comes to integration and to the end of racism. But yeah, there's always going to be prejudices and biases. I mean, that, that's just human nature. But the legal aspects of it have come so far in such a short period of time. And oh, we've had a black president too, Ken. So, you know, how can you say that we are not... Uh, uh, Making progress, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that we're not, for the most part a racially uh, sensitive uh, society. And this Black Lives Matter is just a bunch of communists leading this. And you'll remember when George Floyd was killed, I went through that uh, that whole scenario in that show and talked about Floyd and how he was separate from what the policeman did, which was separate from the rioters. And so we have to look at this in terms of different entities, different events, and George Floyd was no saint. Come on. Now, as I said then, uh, he can certainly have reformed himself and become a good guy. I don't know. But he had history with the police. There's no doubt about that. He was a bouncer. So how can you say he was a man of peace when he's somebody who throws you out of the, out of a, a bar or a nightclub? Um, he was on drugs. And, uh, you know, whether or not he deserved to be killed in that way or to die in that way, I don't know if he was killed or not. We'll have to wait and see what the court says. Uh, but... Uh, of course, that that's that's a whole nother story. Now, what the cop did was absolutely wrong. And, and, you know, he's a thug, too, and he should not have been allowed to continue practicing law. But he's gone and he's under indictment. And then the third side of this is the Black Lives Matters people seizing this. They're just a bunch of left wing loonies. They're just a bunch of communist Marxists who think that they're going to overthrow the government of the United States. And did you hear about this new movement, Walk Away? Uh, I saw this this morning on Fox and Friends, and there's a guy who has started a movement. It's apolitical, and it's about preserving our history and doing it as a unified uh, left, right, center, everybody coming together and uh, reaffirming our belief in our way of life and our system. And uh, he is opposed to the Black Lives Matter kind of people and their movement, and uh, he believes in free enterprise and uh, freedom of property and freedom of person and all those kinds of things. And uh, he's apparently starting a pretty big movement, so you can look that up. It's called Walk Away. I didn't have time to investigate it thoroughly, but it sounds like a really great thing. Um, I might send him a few bucks and see if that will be of help. On a lighter side, Doc, my next album is going to be called Left Wing Loonies, in case uh, you want to be looking for that one. I'm looking for it. Are you are you starring it? Are you singing or what? Oh yeah, it's like, hey, we got the whole thing worked out. It's uh, we've got a new mix mix down yet, but it, we're working on it. And we have Todd on the answer uh, wants to answer your question about uh, Hamilton. Finally, somebody's talking to me. Somebody's out there listening. Todd, come on. What's up, bud? Hey man, hey man. Before I take a chance on your question, a lot of people are listening. They just don't call in, but uh, so don't 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 be fooled. But I did want to say something about the the walk away move. I think the guy they they were all de- he was a Democrat, hard leftist, okay, and then he researched it for himself and he walked away from the Democrat Party, and that's why he's got a bunch of people, you know, walking get that that their eyes were uh, opened and they see that you know people like Joe Biden been in politics for forty years and haven't done anything, and now they're now he's asking for his, your vote. Is it's a, it's a joke. So uh, that's what that is all about. But um, I, uh, to answer your question, and, and I'm glad you just mentioned the, ca- the, the, the cancel culture. You know, if it wasn't for George Washington and Hamilton and these these heroes, they, these people wouldn't even be here. Okay, you know, we wouldn't have the United States as you know, a British rule would be dominating us and telling us what to do. So you know, all the and, and then we got the Chinese Basketball Association coming telling us who to vote for down here. Please save it. Go back to California and and and, and keep your basketball. But uh, I. I believe uh, Alexander Hamilton was appointed Secretary of Treasury. Uh, if, uh, he, if, he was. He was the first Secretary of the Treasure, Treasury. And, by the way, his statue is still out in front of the Treasury building. And he's the man who right. insisted on a federal uh, uh, bank and a federal system of, of money. And uh, he's the person who insisted that we pay off our Revolutionary War debts while Jefferson and Madison and Monroe were saying, no, 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 we got to cancel those debts. And uh, Hamilton said, hey, if we don't pay those debts, nobody in the world is going to want to do business with us. you got to pay your debts. 
You got to meet your your obligations, and that's a very important aspect of any economy and of any relationship. Because if you don't have that trust between people, which Hamilton realized was necessary, and he knew this from childhood because he had run a company uh, for these guys in London uh, and the in the Caribbean and and uh, Nevis and Saint Kitt, he had run their 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 business there, and he knew that that you can't have a business if you don't have uh, an honest exchange of goods and services for money and and uh, that it, it all falls apart this is how it works money is the blood of the of this country it's the blood of the economy and if you don't have that flowing freely and unobstructed and uh, honestly then you're not going to have a, a, a viable entity you're not going to have a viable economy and that's very important so that's right hamilton is the uh, the first uh, treasury of the secretary, great statue of him out in front of the treasury building in Washington, D.C. Hopefully the uh, cancel culture, culture people won't tear that down. And uh, listen, we got to get rid of these guys. And we, we I think we're going to see and I think we're already seeing this march back to uh, uh, to sanity. Uh, I think that that the liberal governors and mayors let these people run amok. For what good reason, I'm not sure. I guess because they think it's politically uh, beneficial to them, a feather in their cap. And I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but I think that we have to uh, continue to inject some reasonableness into this argument and say, look, we are not a nation of left-wing loonies. We're not in, this is not the French Revolution. It's this, we're not being ruled by a committee of, of three left-wing loonies like uh, Moreau and uh, Robespierre. Uh, you know, this is this is just ridiculous. Uh, the next thing, if we le- let this keep going, is uh, the guillotine. And anybody who disagrees with, with the committee and the left-wing, uh, you know, the cancel culture and the Black Lives Matter, you get your head chopped off. And we already saw a couple of murders. Come on. These guys are thugs. They're 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 crazy. And uh, th- this is not the way to to conduct ourselves as a nation. And by the way, Ken, remember I said that that this kind of, of uh, uh, anarchy almost always ends in a totalitarian regime coming in and taking over. And that's why it's important at this point for us to make sure that we do not let this go any further than it has and that we call out people like de Blasio and the mayor of uh, Milwaukee and the mayor of of Seattle and Portland and let's get these let's get these crazy people out of office. Now my family, some of them are up in New York and, and I'm I'm like, why on earth did you vote this guy de Blasio in? I mean, what are you thinking? Did you see where he was out with uh the cancel culture and the Black Lives Matter painting uh, a Black Lives Matter mural in front of Trump Tower? Did you see that? No, Ted? but I, I'm sure it's a nice photo op for him, so Oh, my gosh. And so he says, no public gatherings except for protest. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he's going to be there with his face <laughs> smiling and his black wife. And, and uh, you know, there and he's apparently he's stealing a ton of money. And he's funneling, funneling off city money to his wife's pet projects, which are like housing and, and, you know, social work. And, of course, she has to take a cut because that's just the way you do it when you're a a left-wing thug, you you take money from the poor and give it to some of the poor and keep most of it and, you know, Robin Hood kind of thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> not really, but close, I guess. Yeah, yeah you know. Take I mean, money from the poor and give it to yourself, so. Yeah, take money from the poor, and <laughs> and if you can get it from the rich, take it from them, too, and uh, anybody you can get it from, just... That, it just, really doesn't matter if some of these guys no, are right here. Take the money and run, isn't that what... Uh, that was uh, the, Steve Miller, I think, take Yeah, the money Steve Miller, man. Yeah. Take the money and run. Going down to Mexico with the money, eh, baby. So <laughs> we've got the cancel culture, and uh, we've got all these different... Uh, crazy left-wing loony kind of things going on. And so how do we influence public opinion? You know, that that's really the question. There are different theories, and some of these are that 
there's a popular belief, there's a popular voice that influences public opinion. And we see that. We see that the public saw, oh, my God, did you see that cop killed George Floyd? Well, I don't think he really killed him. He assisted, you know, he was like a comorbidity in that the guy had bad heart and bad lungs and was on drugs and blah, 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 blah. And the cop needs to be held accountable. He's not going to be found guilty of first-degree murder, though. So the popular voice, the the movement of the masses, the group, the herd theory, that's certainly part of it. But we also have the media and public opinion and the idea that the media can influence us and does. And they do. They do. Maybe not all of us, but they certainly influence uh, a large part of the of the uh, liberal world. And, you know, you go to CNN and basically it's it's. It's baby food. It's pablum. They give you a spoonful of uh, baby oats and then a spoonful of baby apricots and a spoonful of this. And you never get the whole meal. You just get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they clip out this and they clip out that. And they are very effective at influencing their base. They're very effective. Now, one of the doctors at the hospital, she accused me of being influenced by Fox News. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They don't influence me. I influence them. I'm ahead of them on a lot of things. And that's not arrogance. That's just that it's a place to, how shall I say, to start. And you can get the the whole speech if you want to. You can go to C-SPAN and get things that are being said before committees. But, you know, most people don't have the time to sit down and watch all of this. And you have to be a little bit of a, of a, a little bit of a character like me to want to really delve into it. You can go back on Facebook and you can find Dr. Fauci talking to 60 Minutes and you can get the blurbs there. You can find all of the committee uh, hearings uh, with the with the whole COVID virus task force testifying. And, you know, people say, oh, there really wasn't much going on. My God, it was like every day, every other day for three months there we had the, the committee talking and, and, and giving testimony and Trump standing up. I mean, there was no leadership. He didn't do anything. What are you talking about? He, he led the whole country and uh, with the idiot Fauci advising him on the side. Oh, my gosh. I don't know, Ken. Sometimes I got to wonder. So the other side of this is the, uh, the intelligentsia. You know, those people who sound like they know what they're talking about, and I'm talking about liberal college professors who can bend the words a little bit. And I don't know how many college professors you've interacted with uh, at an intimate level, you know, intellectually, Ken, but uh, I know a bunch. Uh, and I, yeah, go ahead and send me that winner's info. Text me that if you don't mind, Ken. If you got, if you got a phone. I, I I do right right next to me here. We'll take care of that for you, Doc. Yeah, that too. Okay, so at any rate, uh, you talk to a lot of these liberal college professors. They're really not that that bright. They're, they they have some specific knowledge in a, in a very narrow area, but they really don't have a real broad general base of knowledge, and they don't have the business experience or the economic experience. These are political science and. Uh, sociology professors and English professors and, uh, and so we got to take all this with a grain of salt so we have to be careful because the press if we let them they'll establish the agenda we have to push back the intelligentsia will establish the agenda we have to push back and there's a lot of things that we can do as individual citizens and as a group and you don't have to be a, a, a right-wing conservative you can just be a middle-of-the-road person who says, wait a minute, let's get the whole story here. Let's get it all. And that's why I'm here, to give you the whole story. I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I'll see you guys next week. Love you, need you, and want you. I'm out of here, buddy. <laughs>